You're listening to the Red Bull Amapico podcast, Baltimore edition. I had to let go of the common belief that you have to be this superstar celebrity to, to, make, to do good. I kind of look at life like people run parkour. You just, we're going that direction and you just need to get around stuff and over stuff. You know, if you were going to start an ice cream shop, and go sell some ice cream on the street somewhere. Figure out if your ice cream is good. Nobody who's trying to tackle change can do it by themselves. So you have to be able to bring people into your vision. Welcome back to the Red Bull Amapico podcast with me, Audrey Buchanan. In this episode, I'm gonna be asking the most fundamental question, how to get started. We're in Baltimore, Maryland at the UB Blake National Jazz Institute and Cultural Center with 15 social innovators and a bunch of expert mentors and coaches. Tom McLeod, CEO of Omni. The best way uh, to turn your idea into reality, I think the first step is to start it. What does it look like if the whole world has access to everyone's things instead of always having to buy and consume new? We do on-demand storage and access. So we hit a button on your phone, we show up at your house, we pick up your stuff, we photograph and inventory everything, and you have the ability to have it back to your home or shared with your friends and family within two hours. I've actually had some discussions with people here today uh, and other places around, you know, getting caught up in the, in sort of the brambles of, of just getting out of the, out of the, out of the beginning. Um, what, how do I incorporate? Uh, do I need a lawyer? Do I, you know, how many people did you talk to? How do I find investors? And I think a lot of times if you were able to figure out the lowest entry point, so what can you scrappily do as fast as possible just to see if this is even something you want to do? You know, if you were going to start an ice cream shop, go sell some ice cream on the street somewhere, figure out if your ice cream is good. I can probably rally off a hundred things that I think help people get started faster. Um, I, I, I think you have to look at the network you create, and I don't mean it in like a traditional like handshaking network thing, but all the people around you and the value that they have. So while while this is a singular journey, you should be looking at the relationships and people you've interact with on, on the road to here and how that can suddenly help you with that. There's 15 participants at this year's Amapico Academy, and most of them are right in the beginnings of what they're doing. And if they're not right at the start, they're still facing new beginnings all the time. Here's what they've got to say. My name is Chef Chad Cherry, and uh, that tells you a little bit, man. I work with food, but more specifically, I work with uh, changing people's relationships around food, attacking food access and food deserts and the health issues that surround those, those two issues in our communities. John Dengler from Well Built Bikes. I work with a community known as The Well in Tampa, um, a community just basically is committed to standing with kind of the homeless and the poor in our community. Out of that community, we've been uh, working hard to launch uh, Well-Built Bikes, um, which is a uh, kind of an enterprise to create some jobs for a few of these homeless bike mechanics that we've been working with. They've been running kind of a co-op for the last several years to kind of build their own transportation. And we're gonna continue that to make sure everyone has affordable, reliable transportation, but then also start to sell some of these bikes to hopefully create some earned income opportunities and also support the work to make sure that we can continue to kind of get everyone in Tampa access to that transportation they need. And so the theme of this episode is that we're talking about how people got started. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we know that's a varied and sometimes <laughs> hairy journey, but Chad, I think, you know, you're, on, you're here on behalf of Chef Culture. Yes, yes. And while I know you've done amazing things, including cooking for the Obamas and mm-hmm. being able to uh, share company with them. Tell me about the beginning. How, how did you get started? Chef culture got started in my head about three years ago. 
but it really came to life in the past year. But where Chef Culture started to, to morph is I get hired a lot by nonprofits. And I go into communities that are underserved and they're like, Chef, you know, we're getting you because we know you do the nutrition education and we're going to do about 300 people, blah, blah. And I go in and give a phenomenal class and I connect with the people and I love on them. And at the end of the class, they're like, well, when are you coming back? And the issue is, well, I, I can't come back until this company hires me, you know, because it's not feasible. I got tired of that. And actually, we positioned ourselves inside of one of those communities. We took up a, a pop-up cafe there and worked on working with people every day. And I started to see, in, in a couple of years, I started to see the change I was making in the community. And I started saying to myself, listen, instead of us dropping money into the nonprofits to do this top-down training, we need to empower residents to be able to solve their own problems. They're already cooking. Somebody doing a fish fry on Saturday anyway, it's going down in every community. Yep. So let's teach these people how to become professionals, help them increase their income. But because they're from this community, we can show them how to do farm to table. We can teach them the nutrition stuff and they're going to touch 10 to 20 people every single day. And that's sustainable change. And John, what I love about your story is that sometimes these special new beginnings come out of the end of another chapter. And so can you tell us a little bit more about the origin story of Well-Built Bikes? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, we're like, I got like a 10-year story of just starting. Like we're always starting, right? So um, so, so like I said, it, we grew, this is growing out of a community that's been, it's known as the Well, which is really like, I mean, really goes back to my own personal I don't know, just conviction that I needed to be in relationship with the poor in our city, people that are on the streets. Like I had met a few folks and they were just such an influence. And like, I wanted, I needed these people in my life as friends and leaders. And, you know, there's like this sense of wisdom and sobriety that came from that. So I made up excuses to be in their life. So, oh yeah, I need some food. I got some food or some clothes. I'll just do some clothes. And so and then I started gathering people because I was like, I think everybody needs this, right? So we started gathering people and uh, got a bunch of people to live together and opened up our home and welcomed people in. And this thing, it just kind of snowballed over time. And so there was never any plan really other than like just be with people, be like in direct relationship and form community that's kind of healing in both directions. So you've been agile. You've just let the evolution continue. And it sounds like a path was kind of cleared for you uh, to really get focused on the bike initiative. I, I kind of look at life like people run parkour. You just, we're going that direction and you just need to get around stuff and over stuff and whatever. Um, but then also that. like, what do we have? We have these tools. Well, we should use these tools. Like and any resources we have, because this is a rich community. It's materially poor, but man, the wisdom, the, no, the knowledge, the skills, the, I mean, it's just, it's an incredible asset that the city just squanders. Yeah, and actually not just squanders like waste, but like criminalizes and runs away and wants to, you know, put, put out. And so we're, uh, we're trying to take that, uh, well, that stone that the builders rejected and build something with it, you know? Tom McLeod. The three things that I think are super powerful for helping get started are networking, the internet and preparation. But I think you find pretty quickly that the most successful founders, the most successful business managers, the most successful product managers, the most successful you know, people in any stage of a company, anyone that's growing are people that look like it's easy, but they've actually been deeply, diligently researching ahead of time. Um, so not underestimating the time and effort that you put in, then couple that with the ability to have the confidence to know what you're talking about goes a really long way. 
so I think one of the biggest blockers people have uh, for getting started is they try to emulate what they've seen come before. So you look at someone raised money, so that's the way I have to do it, or so-and-so had uh, access to a business deal ahead of time, and that's how they were able to get started, or uh, someone went to college and they were able to do something. And I, I think a lot of those things do give you an edge up, potentially. You, I wouldn't want to minimalize anything that you have, but you probably have a whole host of benefits and things that you have internally that actually give you a leg up over someone else that was attempting to start something. Um, so, you know, being mindful of excuses from comp like comparisons and focusing in on your personal strengths and how you can figure out what, what combination of, of variables you have to, make the, to, to create a better formula for success. Marissa Hamamoto of Infinite Flow. Hi, my name is Marissa Hamamoto and I'm the founder and artistic director of Infinite Flow, a wheelchair dance company. I had to let go of the common belief that you have to be this superstar celebrity to, to, make, to do good, that you have to have a million dollars to create a nonprofit. And you know what? My dance career is going to build anyway, but I've got to help these people first. Me as a dancer and me as a, as a social innovator have really become one in which they really help each other out. We figured it'd be good to get an overview. And as director of communications and design for Ashoka, Tara Roberts has heard people starting stories over and over again. Ashoka has a formula, a like change-making formula. And inside of that, these would be the skills that change-makers have. In Ashoka language, um, the change-making skills are empathy. So there's that ability to connect with someone else. Um, there's a collaborative nature. So you're able to pull people in. You've got an idea and you're like, I want to do something, but no founder, no, nobody who's trying to tackle change can do it by themselves. So you have to be able to bring people into your vision and get them to partner with you in some ways. Um, then you have to have some leadership abilities. Like you have to be able to corral the group and to like focus it somewhere and help it to move in a, in a clear direction. The last skill in the Ashoka language is an entrepreneurial quality. Tom McLeod. I had a couple ideas or, you know, three specific ideas, give or take, of what I might want to start when I uh, was looking at what my next company would be. And I kind of put together this sort of, you know, what should I be building is almost as important as what do I want to build. Um, I think you have to identify in this process, not only is an idea good, but are you the person to execute an idea, which tends to tends to be a question people don't ask themselves, just because you have a great idea and it might not be the right idea for you. You might not be the person, right? As I walk through the building and read about UB Blake's historic career as a ragtime musician and pianist, and the many boundaries he broke down, I'm left thinking about the first step he took, that first leap of faith, and how he got started. Tonight there's gonna to be people from all parts of the Baltimore community, some who helped build this space out for our academy. I wanna know what they think about how easy or hard it is to get an idea started, and their advice on what works for them. I've started my security company about two and a half years ago, and I just got up and did it because I've been doing the business itself, working in it for the last 10 years. And I said, I can do it. I've seen other companies run, I've worked with owners, and the initiative is just to get up and go do it. It's a process, 
but it can be done. My name is Soldano Durhman. Um, I'm currently an art student. I'm going into my last year in school. Um, I think one of the things that's like kept me motivated for the past couple of years in schools, I, I joined an, an artist collective called Balti Girls, and we do sort of organizing in the in the community, um, try to make platforms mostly for women of color, for non-binary people of color, um, and being surrounded by um, other queer women, other queer women of color um, who are really like thriving and really working hard in their communities keeps me motivated as well. Uh, my name is Matteo Blue. I'm an artist. I was just here talking to an artist about pieces on their exhibit. Uh, definitely from what I've learned within my tenure, is self-care and starting with the knowledge of self and learning self. Uh, we tend to put so much of ourselves into whatever we do that we don't take care, we don't even really eat the way we should eat or get the amount of sleep we should get. So that level of learning self-care balances out all of the work that we actually do day in, day out. So I start with that. Hi, my name is Denisha Hebert. Um one thing that helps me get started is just to see it, have the vision, and like remind myself of it, and just continue to do like one little thing. Maybe not every day, but you know, every time I think about it, do something that contributes towards making that goal happen. My name is Kyra Daniels. I'm one of the owners of New Beginnings Barbershop. Well, I got started cutting hair because one of the barbers at the old shop I used to work in messed up my hair. I said I could do this myself, so I went to school and learned how to do it. It's not really hard to start a business. You just have to get your licenses in order, your permits in order, get your head in order, stay focused, stay to the grind, and just be um, positive on what you want to do. Um, just got to have a strong will. Hi, it's Philip Muriel with the Baltimore Art Project. I'm Evan Singleton, I'm also a co-founder of the Baltimore Art Project as well. So um, the Baltimore Art Project is a brand um, that was started about three months ago um, where we give artists um, platforms to showcase their art. And we really want to give artists exposure and we want to create a new art ecosystem in Baltimore throughout hosting different events. One thing we really like to do is um, when we meet, we try and meet and um, really organized spaces um, with a team of different people and you know we don't like to kind of sit in our house and do things um, we kind of have an agenda for different meetings that we have and we try and check off boxes with um, some of the different things that we do and we have a, a there, there's a cause that we're trying to support and as long as we stay goal-oriented towards supporting that cause then nothing's going to be able to stop anything that we're doing so that passion is that number one key Shout out to Red Bull for what they're doing. This is great and I love it. I feel like we're in a time period that Baltimore is getting to become a, uh, an emerging uh, market for entrepreneurs and artists. And it's gonna be a lot of changes from here on out to the future. I see a, a, almost like a renaissance, you know, a Baltimore renaissance going on. You're listening to the Red Bull Amapico podcast, Baltimore edition.